Jerdy, Jerdy. Hello, 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 Michelle. Hello, hello, another ho, ho, ho. <laughs> hey, hey, ho, 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 don't. I don't know what the uh, what the kids are saying this Christmas. I can't think of a funny joke to go with Christmas ho, ho, hoes. I don't know. Do you think the kids say ho, ho, ho anymore? Do they still believe in Santa? No one says ho, 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 except for Santa, Michelle. But do you know what I heard? What? Well, my friend Pat said to me, now, this could upset some listeners, so apologies in advance. But she said a good way to save money this year would be to say that Santa didn't make it through the pandemic. No. That his, his height-to-weight ratio put him in the at-risk group and he just didn't make it. <laughs> oh, dear. It's not very nice, is it? Pat. Well, that's a way to shit on Christmas, isn't it? No Santa for anyone. I know. But do you know what has been going on with Santa? What? Well, there's a bad one doing the internet rounds, apparently. Or is it a hoax, Michelle? Have you heard about this? Is this a recent thing, a new thing? It's recent, yeah, on YouTube. Do you remember I told you about that weird-looking Momo woman with the googly eyes and the dripping long hair? And apparently uh, she'd be popping up in the middle of Peppa Pig saying, kids, you've got to go do this, this or this or kill someone and and don't tell anyone. Well, that was a hoax. And I think this is also a hoax. Okay. There was, I think it was a YouTube, not a YouTube, a Facebook post from a woman saying, hey guys, watch out because my five-year-old has just come in and said, I need to hurt myself in order to get more presents and I'm not supposed to tell anyone. What? I don't know how she found this out then in that case. Her five-year-old had said, Santa is telling us on YouTube to do these things like to hurt myself and then to kill other people as well. And if I don't, the more people I kill, the more presents I'll get. (gasps) That's evil. That sounds like bullshit. But it's not true. Yeah. Because she said, guys, watch out. This is on YouTube. Kids, I pay extra to get parental controls. Well, you don't pay anything for parental controls, Michelle. So that's... Already red flag number already. one. Already. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's no good. No. So, I don't know. It's just somebody cashing in on, on the uh, viral Christmas manner fear. That things. Christmas fear. And speaking of Christmas fear, Michelle, have you ever heard of Krampus? No. He is... The demonic right-hand man of St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Santa Claus or Sinterklaas or whatever they call him, mm. in the Alpine regions of Austria and Germany. And rather than reward good children with modest gifts, such as little oranges and nuts, as St. Nicholas would do traditionally, not these massive great big Nerf guns as he's doing now, he will whip the bad ones with birch sticks. <laughs> okay, that sounds very European. <laughs> not only would he do that, uh, December the 5th is Krampus night and he'll visit every single house and if you're lucky you'll survive being beaten drowned or even sent straight to hell he has the power to do that old krampus do you think it's because he it's connected to santa and maybe there weren't enough presents for all the children so you just (laughs) kill off a few (laughs) then you have less presents to deliver possibly possibly no or just to give them the fear of god i mean this is how this is how they get people to behave themselves oh i've just i've thought of a parallel but i won't say it's too controversial say it i'm just thinking no, I won't. Say it. Oh, like, you know, the fear of catching a disease that you can, you know, you can get. Oh, I'm not oh it's all control. There. It's all control. Come on. Yeah. We've all thought COVID's a conspiracy theory. You're not the first. <laughs> I don't think it's a conspiracy, but. Well, no, but initially they, they thought that the UK's response to COVID was to kill off all the old people so they didn't have oh. to pay out on pensions. Do you remember? I don't remember that, but I do know that the way that Boris Johnson spoke about the older people was a bit like they are, we can lay them to waste. They don't matter so much. <laughs> they're not going out to work for us. In fact, they're costing us more money to keep alive. So if they don't make it, then too bad. Evil, evil. Wow. So what's going on in your neck of the woods then, Michelle? Well, that being downstairs. Again, we are upstairs, downstairs. Well, I was going to tell you a little story about guinea pigs, actually. Nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> I've got a pair of them. I've been watching them this morning. So apologies to the listeners once again. If you do hear any or noises or even a crunching sound, that will be Ray and Kai, my daughter's two guinea pigs, which live in the studio 
unfortunately. I didn't want to put my hand in and pull them out. Well, the thing is, last night I went off to the Royal Ballet with my friend, Dora, Dora Carrera, and she is a Peruvian. And she was asking me, oh, you know, where are you staying? And I was like, well, I'm with my friend Geordie and she's got these lovely little guinea pigs. And she said, oh, yeah, I love guinea pig. And I said, oh, okay. And oh, hang on. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, they're very <laughs> cute. And she's like, yeah, they're delicious. Oh, fuck off. No, really. In Peru, they know, people are eat them. a delicacy. They are considered to be like height of luxurious delicacy. Like that on a stick, splayed (laughs) on a stick. We've seen them. So, and apparently she was telling me um, an ex-flatmate of hers had guinea pigs and when before she moved in, so when they had the interview for who they were going to get to move in, she said, oh, I've got these wonderful guinea pigs. And her flatmate had said, oh, well, you better not bring them because, you know, Dora's Peruvian and they eat guinea pigs. Like Dora the Explorer. Dora the Explorer. Well, Dora the guinea pig eater. So anyway, when this woman moved in, she didn't bring her guinea pigs. She actually thought Dora was going to cook one up and have it as a snack. So I also wanted to say, did you see we had a comment on on one of our videos? Which, by the way, we need to explain why you're doing a chop chop and I'm doing a chicken move. Chicken. Well, you have to listen to the episode. It makes sense if you listen. (laughs) Exactly. So anyone who just thought we were just doing mental dance moves, no. No, those dance moves, they have – we're digging a grave, Mm. yeah. We're hitchhiking. We're digging a grave. Then we're free-forming it and that was – I'm chopping my neck as if to signify death and you're doing a weird chicken dance because there were some, not cannibal chickens, there were some wild chickens in your story that you told last week. That's right. So anyone who just thought we were mental, doing mental moves, no, there's a reason behind it. So what's the comment? From Chris Campbell, who we talked about in the last episode. Yes. And he had said about Gigi Allen, yeah, he piked out. Oh, I did see that comment, yes. I don't think he's listened to the episode yet. Chris! Oh, come on, Chris. I just thought I was laughing piked out I have not heard that in a long time what he means is he he (laughs) didn't he didn't make it he didn't come good on his promise to kill himself on Halloween no he did not instead he died another way and if you don't know because you haven't listened to the episode then go back it's last week's episode number 49 I believe yes does that mean today's (gasps) the 50th episode it's a golden anniversary Oh my God, I had no idea. A golden anniversary. Golden showers, people. Oh, you always lower the tone. I do. I actually, when I was putting together all the show links, and people, people. Bible. The show links, you know, you can get lost in a wormhole of all of the links that we put in. So, you know, go to the website, have a look. It's even on the YouTube, I think, as well. But I watched the Tommy Cooper video. I told you not to. Just, you know, I was putting a link and then it just, I watched it. And no. do you know what? I can see why people were laughing. Because you do just initially, even though I knew before I was watching it, oh, this is where he dies. You do just think it's part of the act. And it's actually really grim once you realise this man died. I know, that's terrible. I mean, it's not as bad as you think. Nice one, Michelle. And do you know what? Then I went down a wormhole of other people who died on stage and there oh. was this one from the 80s I missed some out yeah, loads loads <laughs> I mean they're not famous people they're just people who died on stage mm. who were you know like medium level fame and there was this one from Swedish TV he was doing some like 80s very craft worky sound the guy doesn't look well at all and then you just see blood trickling down oh my god out of his nose and then he collapses died died on tv it's just awful so yeah you know what there's loads so we can do another one one day (laughs) look out for the follow-up everybody well jingle bells to you michelle one two three it's christmas every wednesday in december drop the me so will you drop with me drop 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 sexy santa in a place to play to play what a hoot Jingle bells, jingle ho ho horror, because I was looking at Christmases gone wrong. And in fact, I remembered my own Christmas that nearly went horribly wrong way back 2001. So I think I'd taken Jen and I think my sister Steph and maybe my boyfriend Paul at the time Hmm. 
I'd taken everybody out for Christmas lunch at some dodgy, you know, RSL or something. Dodgy. Dodgy RSL for some all-you-can-eat Christmas buffet, I'm sure. And Jen loves a Christmas buffet. My youngest son loves a buffet. Oh, it's all all Get your face in there. Get your face in, like eat up all that turkey slice. There is nothing like an RSL buffet, by the way. We went to one last time I was in Australia. My parents picked me up and took me to the one in Thoura and it was a Chinese one. And that's where my youngest got his first taste of buffet-style living. Well, I think we had a Christmas buffet and, you know, We'd all like stuffed ourselves as you do because everyone turns into like little piggies at Christmas time. Herded everyone back into the car, got into the car. It was hot. It was a really fucking hot day as Canberra. Anyone who spent a Christmas in Canberra knows it's hot and it's dry. But on this day, it was crazy, like 45 degrees. We were all like sweating buckets and we were driving And Canberra is a really spread out place where you've got, it's called the bush capital because there are more trees than people and there's gum trees everywhere. And often the quickest way to get around in Canberra by car is to go on the outskirts. And so we, the RSL was on the other side of town and and we, we jumped in the car. I drove around the outskirts. We got stopped by police because bushfires. And I don't know, I mean, maybe it's my memory, but I'm sure I probably had smelt the fires Mm. but there were fires raging we got stopped and we were trapped we could see the flames ahead of us and we were we were stopped in the car we weren't allowed to go any further I think mom and Steph were quite panicked about it and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize at the time but we were part of what was called Black Christmas um, in 2001 and you know fires raged through all of New South Wales and the ACT very very much like what we just had a couple of years ago actually yeah mm. which I'm sure the whole world remembers for sure well the last the one last time in 2019 Christmas mm. of 2019 was quite spectacular for me even though I obviously live in the UK but my family all live in Batemans Bay and that area, the, the Yorubadala Shire coast. Yeah. And for the first time in my memory, my parents had to be evacuated from their little town a couple of times. And I was calling them through the night. I was watching their local fire brigade. It's only a little country town one. They were giving meetings to the residents. And I recognized all their neighbors there putting their hands up at the local meeting going, oh, what about this and what about that? And they said, if you if you aren't able to stay behind and protect your home, get out. Yeah. And so I rang my parents and told them. They said, oh, we didn't hear about that. And I said, no, you've got to go. You've got to go. Called them a couple of hours later. They were still there. I was like, what are you doing? But strangely, their little enclave of the coast was untouched because they jutted out just a little bit. But everywhere else, absolutely wreaked havoc. Even the town of Batemans Bay, where I grew up. Well, do you remember we had friends, uh, some who are eavesdroppers? Pictures of fires on the beach. Yep. There was panic afterwards, which isn't, which is enough time to get over it. A friend of mine from Batemans Bay posted the picture of her three children and her husband fighting the fires back. They were on her doorstep. I couldn't, I, I was so emotional after seeing that. Yeah. I mean, I was really emotional for all of those bushfires because. It was, you know, were family going to be okay? All of the wild mm. wildlife that died, just the yeah. destruction of all friends the friends lost their forests. homes. Yeah, people losing homes. It was just yeah. really awful. And then the whole world forgot about it because we were all in a pandemic. So, you know, yeah. it was pretty tough times for Australia. Yeah, that was my Christmas that nearly went wrong. Not that not last year or the year before, but yeah, way back. Many, in many years ago. Two thousand and one when <laughs> twenty yeah. Years ago, Michelle. Oh, my God. How did that? Yep. How did that go so fast? Oh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> but, you know, what is a Christmas episode without a few Christmas murders, Geordie? I love a Christmas murder as long as it's not my own. No, no. Santa's not going to chop your head off. So- we could murder a carol. Oh, God, we could murder a podcast. (laughs) I'm probably about to do that right now. So I've got a couple of little stories for you. I can't wait to hear them, Michelle. Okay. Well, the first one happened in 2011. We've got 67-year-old Michelle O'Dowd. She invited her 40-year-old friend, Patty White, 
to come and spend a few days with her over Christmas and and Patty was a family friend. Patty was, I think, a bit down on her luck, a bit of a loose cannon, i.e. a fuck up, who needed a place to stay. And look, Patty had stayed with Michelle, you know, a few months earlier and I think it hadn't gone well and the friendship had soured a bit. But I think that Michelle had invited Patty as a bit of a, you know, peace offering. So Patty, who lived in South Carolina jumped on, you know, public transport or whatever, went down to Florida to hang out with Michelle in her flat for Christmas. However, it didn't go well, Geordie. It didn't go well. Why? Turns out Patty had an ulterior motive. So instead of, you know, having a nice Christmas dinner, a bit of turkey, a few sprouts, Patty strangled Michelle to death. No! Yes, yes. What a bitch. What an absolute bitch. How ungrateful. I know. Worse than that, after she'd strangled poor old Michelle, she hid her body under a pile of presents under the Christmas tree and made it look like it was a burglary that had gone wrong. Then she ransacked the flat, stole all of Michelle's credit cards and went on a spending spree all the way back to South Carolina. And it wasn't until Michelle's twin brother, Phil, raised the alarm because Michelle didn't turn up to work. And so he went over to check on her. And when he got inside the flat, he saw his sister's foot sticking out, like from under the Christmas tree, underneath all these presents. And the thing was that because Patty had been like living it up, with Michelle's mm. credit cards, they tracked her down straight away. Of course they did. You didn't think that through, Patty. No, she didn't. She wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And she was arrested for murder and was given 45-year prison sentence. Okay. So. Justice was done. Justice was done. But I, you're right. Like, how awful. You think you're going to have just a nice yeah. little Christmas and instead you get murdered. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. Just... Cull back that Christmas card list. You don't need (laughs) to send them to Patty from South Carolina. You know, you might have worked with her once 20 years ago and you've both found yourself a single older woman. You know, what else to do this Christmas? But why don't I spend it with Patty? Well, don't because there's a reason why you haven't stayed in touch, Michelle. Mm, It's true. Do you actually send Christmas cards? I usually do, but I, I think just heads up everyone I'm not going to do it this year because last year because of the pandemic the post was very very slow anyway plus you know because I'm sending back to Australia usually Australia and Ireland are the two countries and Germany that I send to generally last year I think some of them got there in about February okay oh god and that's me sending in November so I'm just not going to worry about it anymore I'll just pick up the phone (laughs) or just pick up your panties and go I'll pick up my panties and go just like Jen (laughs) pick up your panties and go Jen pick up your panties and go you don't need that leave the kids behind pick up your panties and go so I have another murder for you Okay, let's hear it. So this one, it's in Australia. Australian Christmas oh, murder. It's a very Australian heavy episode this week, it isn't is, it? It is, it is. So it's actually quite brutal. It's quite savage. Oh, um, lovely. So this happened in 2013. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago, it feels like. What, that seven, eight, eight years, years ago? Eight years ago. <sighs> a guy called Bill Stevenson, he invited his two mates, Danielle Kerr, and Darren Lewis over to his place for Christmas lunch. But again, poor old Bill, it did not go the way he planned. So I imagine Bill probably thought, yep, invite them over, Christmas lunch, a few prawns on the barbie. But turns out he didn't have good mates because Danielle and Darren were ice addicts. And for anyone outside of Australia who doesn't know what ice is, it's crystal meth. Worse than that, the pair had been watching. I know, it's a very popular drug. And it sounds so glamorous. Ice, a little bit of ice, 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 baby. Ice, baby. But apparently you just make it from like burning off some disinfectant or something. Oh, I don't know. Just easy to make. Apparently so. As illustrated in the TV program, Breaking Bad. It is. Don't get any ideas, Geordie. Don't get any ideas. No, I won't. Apparently it's very popular in the over 40s, I've been told, of Australia. Well, did you know that it's called Tina? It's called Tina in the UK. Tina? Do you like a bit of Tina? 
Tina. I don't know. What's that short for? It's like, you know, uh, MDMA, they call it mum and dad. Molly. Oh, mum and dad. Yeah. Yeah, here they do, yeah. Yeah, and then I think... But Molly in the States, right? Yeah, I think it's Molly in the States. And also, I think maybe... They call it Christina, shorten it to Tina ah, because it's crystal meth. Crystal yeah. meth. There you go. So if anyone offers you a bit of Tina, don't take it. Just say no. Just say no, kids. Just say no. But I don't know if poor old Bill knew that his mates, Danielle and Darren, were meth heads because and, – yeah. and look, so we've well, – clearly not. You wouldn't have invited them over. Maybe he felt sorry for them. Maybe he thought he could change them. Well, maybe it's a little bit like a Patty situation. Oh, they've mm. got no one. I'll invite them over. So, oh dear. turns out uh, Danielle and Darren had been watching Kill Bill. Oh. You can probably see where this is going. So, mm. they didn't want any Christmas lunch with old Bill. What they wanted was to put Bill in the car and drive him out to some bushland in the middle of nowhere, north oh, of no. Bentigo, in a place called Kanaruka. I don't know why I said that in Italian accent, but anyway. No. Kanaruka. Maybe that's better. No, that's better, yeah. Kanaruka. So anyway, once they took Bill there, they like threw him out of the car and basically smashed his oh. head in with a rock. Oh. And look, in oh, some God. reports, I read that Bill was pleading with them to stop. Oh, no, don't, Michelle. I'm sad. Yeah, sorry, trigger, trigger. But um, they kept going and apparently they were laughing and they were like saying all these lines from Kill Bill. And, you know, there were reports that I read that it was like they thought they were in the movie, you know, doing all of these horrible things. And they were both off their heads on, on meth. But the thing was, Bill wasn't dead. He was just really badly injured. So then they stabbed him in the face and clubbed him oh. with tree branches before stabbing him to death. Then they put his body in the car and set the car on fire with him in it. Oh, my God. And then they walked home. In the court, they apparently showed no remorse. The judge obviously – oh, because they denied it. They denied doing it. But the, the judge obviously saw straight through it because he sent them both down and in fact, Danielle, who apparently was was the instigator and was really mm. like going for it, she got twenty one years, and Darren got ten years. Oh my god! Yeah, so there you go. Which means he's 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 been out for ten years. Probably they're probably both out. Oh, no, no, he, no, she's well, in. No. He's probably out. He's out then. Because if out. he got yeah, ten yeah, yeah. years. Oh, no, 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 2013. 2013, you've got two years to go. Oh, God. I was back in 2001. I don't know what happened there. No, that was because I was in 2001. But no, you're right. And I I was like, yeah, yeah, because I can't do maths. I'm hopeless. The maths is is poor this end. You know what? That's horrific and I'm sorry to hear that. That's awful for poor Bill or anyone who gets hurt at any time of the year, not just Christmas. No. But my final Christmas murder story, Jodie. What'd you call me? It's probably the most famous Christmas mer- – what did I call you? Geordie. Ger- I thought you said Jerdie. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I could have. I could have because I don't know. I need braces. I can't speak properly. I've got all my teeth moving around. <laughs> Sounds like someone's playing the xylophone back there. <laughs> ding, ding. So what's this famous murder? I think it's the most famous Christmas murder of all time. So, they don't know whether the murder happened actually on Christmas Day or Boxing Day. But I'm going to say Boxing Day. So, cast your mind back, Boxing Day 1996. The police in Boulder, Colorado, were called out to the disappearance of a six-year-old girl who'd been missing since oh. Christmas Day. Oh, I know that. I know what this is. Who do you th- Who do you think it is? Jean Benet Ramsey. Yes. See, you're very good. You know this. I had forgotten yeah. that she had gone missing on Christmas Day. Yeah. Because, and look, I'm just going to wrap this up quickly because everyone knows about Jean It's Bidet. a long one. It's a long one. Yeah. I'm going to just like bim, bim, bam, boom, do it really fast. So here are the main facts. Jean Bonnet's father found a ransom note in his house. No, he'd called in that she was missing. Then he found a ransom note. Seven hours later, found the strangled body of Jean Bonnet in the basement. She was found with a garrote around her neck and a broken skull. And 
you know, look, there is a documentary on this on Netflix. I haven't watched it, didn't have time. But so many things do not add up about the case. So first of all, they suspected that Patsy, another Patsy in the episode, the mum had written the ransom note and that they'd both staged like a fake intruder, kidnapping, ransom, whatever. Then they thought that JonBenet's nine-year-old brother had done it and that the parents had covered it up. Was his name Burke? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even find that name. Oh, Burke. So they thought that JonBenet's nine-year-old brother was the suspect. But then suspicion went to the parents again because Mm. they Mm -hmm. didn't they would they didn't want to do any interviews, which I don't know. That could be either they were really like all gutted. Yeah, gutted and and distressed, or they got something to hide. Two sides of the story here. Wasn't there something weird about the windows in the basement? I think there was, yes. Look, this case just runs and runs. There's so much, so many twists and turns. But basically, over the years, the parents have stuck to a story of an intruder being responsible for the murder, although Mm. they were then accused of leaving Champagne in an unsafe environment when something like that could happen, even though they're in the house. So that doesn't add up. Then in 2003, there was trace DNA taken from Bonnet's clothes and it was tested oh. and it was found not to be from anyone in the family, but that of an unknown male. So after these DNA results, the district attorney, who had actually taken the case away from the Boulder police, they said the family was completely cleared and the, all the allegations were dropped. But in 2009, the Boulder police took back the case from the DA and it was reopened. Presumably, and like I said, people who've watched the documentary probably know more than me. I think they must have found fresh, you know, evidence or had new leads. And also, you know, DNA testing has come so far since then. Yeah. And then there's all the, the, the like 23andMe and all that kind of thing that they can now yeah. somehow connect back to any living relatives. Yep, exactly. Of people. Exactly. They've caught quite a few murders that way. They have. I mean, Golden State Killer. I've got friends who back in the day did 23andMe because they marketed it, first of all, as, oh, find out about your DNA without realizing they were giving their consent away for how this DNA was to be used. So it's kind of a really gray zone as to this this whole DNA search. But anyway, Mm. flipping this back to Christmas, apparently, because the Ramses are very wealthy family and they'd had some big Christmas party where they'd had a ho 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 Santa come for Mm. for Christmas in the house and there was suspicion on a guy called Bill McReynolds who was a local guy who'd been hired to play Santa at the party Uh and he was always under suspicion but he died always the Santa always the bad Santa but he died in 2002 and he till his death swore that he was innocent And look, this case remains unsolved and still an ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Most famous Christmas murder, Jean Benet. Jean Benet. Mm. Wow. Well, thanks, Michelle, for those horrific murders (laughs) on a Christmas. She made it awkward. She made it awkward. awkward. She How made did it I make awkward. it awkward? Awkward, awkward. She, she made you. it awkward. She awkward, made it awkward. awkward. She made it awkward. Awkward, awkward. awkward. How bloody awkward. Well, this is awkward. How bloody awkward. Awkward. Bloody hell. Fuck you. Other awful things do and have happened on Christmas. Mm. Most memorably, the Christmas period of 2004, we had the tsunami and earthquake in the Indian Ocean, which killed an estimated 227,898 people in 14 countries. But that's too depressing. I'm not going to talk about that. Well, hang on. Let me just get this right. Is that the one where that movie was made? What was it called? The Wave or something? And it was in Thailand, in Thailand. Yeah, the Thai one, the Thailand, the one that everybody knows about, the massive one. What did we talk about where we thought that, oh, Richie Manick could have died? Remember, we were talking about that. that's right. When we were talking about missing people a few episodes ago, quite a few episodes ago. Do you know what? I'll put a show link to anyone who wants to follow up on that because it was a really great, really great episode. Your story was wonderful. Mm. 
Thanks. There was speculation that Richie Manick may have faked his own suicide yeah. and then gone on the hippie trail to India and Thailand mm. and then perhaps perished in that tsunami. In the 2004 tsunami. Yeah. Well, listen, that get, that got me thinking about weather events. You know, you talked about the fires and they do happen in Australia. Traditionally, summertime is the worst time for a bushfire that, that spreads as badly as what we've experienced or seen on the news. And of course, Christmas is in the summer in Australia. But what about a, a tropical cyclone? For example, the one that happened over the period over the Christmas period, twenty fourth and twenty sixth in December nineteen seventy four in Darwin, Australia, <gasps> otherwise known as. Cyclone Tracy. The reason I know about this is because my friend was in Darwin. She had to get evacuated. Is that the only reason why you know about Cyclone Tracy? <laughs> no, of course not. It's, I mean, it's folkloric. You know, people in Australia. It was burned into all our souls. Yeah. But I was talking about it probably a couple of years ago with my friend, uh, Nicola, who had to get evacuated from Darwin. It's not the only reason. I don't know why I said that. What a dick. <laughs> anyway, tell me all about it because I I. I have sketchy details. Does Nicola have any memories of her experience? Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember what she said? Yeah, that it was really terrifying. They had air raid planes and sirens, sirens. and everything going yeah. and it felt apocalyptic, she said. Right. And people people died, you know. Yes, they did die. Have you ever been in a cyclone or a, a hurricane or something like that, Michelle? No, no. Although I was on the beach in Tuscany a few months ago and a little tiny, oh, a little tiny cyclone. Poor you. I know, it was awful. <laughs> and this little tiny a willy, willy. willy willy came through and took everybody's beach towels into the water anyway. Oh. Awful. Poor How me. How <laughs> dreadful for you. Did you did you knock your glass of champagne over? <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. What? I've been in a hurricane. No. I think it was something like, I can't remember, maybe 150k a mile, oh. no, k an hour winds along the coastal path from Coogee to Bronte. Even though I'm Australian, I went back one year for Christmas. I was staying at my brother's place in Coogee and with my English family, my husband and my children and my oldest child, we all did the very UK kind of thing, the very British tourist thing and did that walk from Coogee. There's a coastal path. You can walk all along the rocks and it's absolutely stunning. You pass a massive uh, cemetery on the way. Yeah. Have you ever done it? It's amazing. I've I only ever normally before. do Bondi to Bronte. That's that's it. And, you know, or the art trail. Yeah. And we only made it to Bronte because as we set off, the sky darkened oh. and we kept walking and we got to the next one, which I think is Shark Bay or Norman Bay. I can't remember which one it is. Paddy could see on the horizon this black tube heading towards us. And I was like, oh, we'll be all right. Oh, he said, no, I think that looks quite, quite extreme. So we went round to the next beach, which was Clavelli. Oh, yeah. Went round to Clavelli and there was a cafe that was just opening up. Thank God, because that's when the, it started to hit. The rain was coming down. We went into that cafe. They let us in. The cafe had these kind of plastic vertical flaps like a butcher would have you so know? honestly I'm surprised that Granny's goodies didn't have that back in the day no no Granny's goodies didn't have that no because we didn't have an outside space <laughs> but I know what but you they mean. had these vertical flaps of plastic which you could walk out onto the veranda and all of the staff were people from other countries like I don't know where there was a German girl they were all screaming we were sitting as far back as we could because hail and this was <gasps> high summer hail was coming in vertically along with those big heavy flaps of plastic which were being blown in vertically oh god and we sat there and we waited it out uh bought a couple of toasties whatever a coffee and then the sun came out so we kept walking we went and put ourselves up on the on the rocks overlooking that beautiful uh, tidal pool yep. at clavelli had our picnic lunch, then we kept walking and it was still a really lovely day. We made it all around past Clavelli, then we were heading towards Bronte and as we arrived in Bronte, the sky darkened again. Oh, so that was the God. eye, the eye of the storm had passed. This time, my husband, who's quite a, an adventurer, wanted to experience it in its full glory. Of course so he did. He, <laughs> he got 
myself and he gave, he gave us both an umbrella and we had to sit in one of those picnic those kind of concrete mm-hmm. round picnic which had been quartered off so you had a quarter to yourself with a little table and I sat on the outside with one child on the inside the other child sat on the inside with Paddy on the outside and we're in a, like a segment a quarter of this circular picnic thing so we're on I went to the toilet first and when I came out it was howling bins were been toppled over the beach was raging there was another family had the same idea they were sheltering on the next one up but they had to stand on the table because theirs was getting more and more underwater ours wasn't so we were there with our umbrellas out my eldest son had run over to a cafe for another flat white so he was all right (laughs) we were struggling though and I saw there's some stairs which lead I think it's on the Bondi side of the Bronte Beach. Some very tall stairs, wide stairs. It was like a waterfall. Oh, my God. And these other people, like I said, had to stand on their table for the duration of the storm. It was probably about half an hour, 40 minutes. But we, were, we were like that for. Bins were over. People were up to their knees in water. And it was very, very harrowing. So with that in mind, I can sympathize with the people of Darwin on this horrific night because most residents thought it would be a false alarm as an earlier cyclone had already passed through Selma she'd been and gone <laughs> Selma Selma so had left her mark Selma Selma had left a mark not much of a mark mm. bit of a streak more like than a mark and <laughs> a then <skid> Tracy <laughs> made <laughs> but then Tracy made her way across the coast Near Fanny Bay. Oh, I love that name. Which I didn't know was a thing. (laughs) At around 3.30 a.m. on Christmas morning. So people did know it was coming. Mm -hmm. But because they'd already experienced a bit of a near miss with Selma, I don't think anyone was particularly worried about it. Or prepared. No one was really prepared. Had it struck during the daytime, the death toll could have been much higher because most of the 71 people who lost their lives were killed by flying debris or crushed beneath their houses, Michelle. I have a little story from a survivor, (gasps) just so we can get the feel of what it would be like to be trapped in Cyclone Tracy. This is from Martin, and he was originally of Rapid Creek in Darwin. And this is from the website (laughs) EnjoyDarwin.com. Yay! Enjoy! Now, after I read this story, I was a bit concerned because there was some comments at the bottom saying, I don't know why people are saying this is made up. So I think that apparently some people had been writing some some invented stories of their experiences of the night of Cyclone Tracy. But from what I I can tell, this story from Martin is absolutely 100% as he remembers it. Genuine. I'm going to... Genuine. I'm going to read it as Martin. When the cyclone struck, I was 17 years old. I remember there being very little panic in the days before the storm. The radio told us to anticipate wind gusts of 120 kilometres an hour. Now, I told you, Michelle, that I was in a hurricane of 150 kilometres. Oh, Jesus. And that took the top off. That, that broke the dome on WBJ. Westfield Bonsai Junction. <laughs> I, I went there afterwards to go shopping for a new mobile phone, and half of the centre was underwater. Like, not it was wet, and it was oh god, cut off. It was shut down to visitors. Yeah, but anyway, going back to Martin, he said no one really expected the cyclone to hit, since false alarms were all too common back then. Right, exactly what you just said. I'm giving him a green tick for being a, a correct story. Tick. Yeah, genuine. Our house was two stories tall and from what I could gauge at the time, fairly well constructed. None of us seemed particularly concerned. This is him and his family because he was a teenager at the time, late teens. And we all fell asleep early that evening to the thuds of heavy rain on our aluminium roof. Oh, that was... Do you remember that sound, Michelle? Yes, I do. Or the possums walking along your roof? Oh, well, we had a a flat roof, a flat tin roof and... Tap dancing. Yeah, one of my happiest childhood memories is hearing the rain on the roof. It's very calming the for me. Roof. Yeah. yeah. Tin roof. Rusty. The winds woke me up around midnight. The power had already failed, so there was no decent way to see what was going on through my window. So no street lights, no mm. indoor lights, pitch black. So I went downstairs and stood on our back porch to get a feel for the conditions outside. The winds were howling through the trees and tossing branches and small pieces of debris across our yard and into the fence that separated our yard from the neighbours. Okay. 
At this point, I was only fascinated by the power of Mother Nature, completely unaware of the destruction that was about to occur. A little bit like Paddy, you know, he's he's put <laughs> you in this shelter without really I was thinking the, the safety implications through. <laughs> what have you done? We've got two very small children here. Anyway, my father and mother joined me a few minutes later. The three of us stood outside and watched as my father's tool shed disintegrated in the, in the heavy winds. Oh, my God. The roar of the cyclone began to increase dramatically about an hour later at a time that I would estimate was a little after 1am. So this isn't even at peak. No. Because if you remember, I said 3.30 yep. is when it really hit. We decided that we better get inside, good idea, Martin, to avoid being struck by one of the many deadly pieces of debris that were flying through the air. That's how a lot of people get killed, like just by getting a whack in their head from a yep. car door or a bit of timber. Or the street lights. You know, street lights can often yeah. be uprooted. And I mean, that's just... Metal bins. Back oh. in those days, that was pre-plastic, yep. 70s. We kept thinking that the winds couldn't get any worse, but every minute that passed proved that we were not yet at the height of the storm. We were concerned about the damage that was occurring, but unconcerned for our safety until sometime after 2am. No. Oh, Martin, I'm get getting scary. worried. I'm feeling worried for you, Martin. Oh, Martin. It's impossible to describe what happened in words. Within a few minutes, the winds suddenly ramped up and soon the entire two-story house was shaking back and forth like a bloody fun fair right this isn't martin's words these are mine back and forth can you imagine we heard a loud popping noise when all the windows in the kitchen blew out we all frantically huddled in the dark bathroom that's where people were told to hide i think as the winds entered our house and began to tear apart all of our possessions oh my god more windows blew out and soon the door to the bathroom was flapping back and forth violently over the sounds of bookcases and large pieces of furniture being overturned and blown about within our home. Don't you think that this sounds like a poltergeist? It does. It does. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah. The winds continued to increase until the scream of the winds, I think he means, was so loud that we had to yell to, each, to, to hear each other. Mm. Although for the most part, we were too frightened to speak. This is a mum, a dad and their teenage boy. I just can't even imagine. Because you would just be thinking, this could be my last moments on earth. This yeah. could be it. Well, you don't know what's going to no. happen next. Exactly. Get a load of this, Michelle. The roof slammed up and down a few times oh. and then tore off. All in one piece. Fuck. Because I was just thinking as you said that, it's like a dollhouse where you, you know how you like yeah. move a, a dollhouse yeah. roof up so you can get in. Just peeled right off. Jesus. My father lay his body over my mother. Oh. My mother lay over my daddy. No, that's not right. <laughs> my father lay <laughs> over my, my mummy. mummy. But what a chivalrous <laughs> man protecting his family. Yeah. And him. So he lay over both of them, mm. the mother and the, and the son, Martin, in the bathtub, which is another place that people were told. I read another story of a woman who had a newborn baby who was told to get into her bathtub right. with a mattress over the top of them. But can you imagine oh. the fear if that mattress comes down? I mean, you've got this baby. Yep. Oh, my God. Awful. Anyway, his father was protecting them uh, while one of the walls came in on top of us. <gasps> no, Jesus. It, yeah. I wonder if his house is one of those fibro numbers. Probably. Because they all were back then. Because have you ever been to Darwin? No. Okay. I've, I've spent quite a bit of time there just because my friend Monique used to live there. So many of, of Darwin's houses are on stilts because you have to have that cool air coming through and also critters and alligators and whatnot but they are just very like flimsy houses so although if it's two stories it could have been brick but either way god what what a fucking nightmare it's not over yet either it's not over yet so the uh the walls came in on top of them i remember finding it hard to breathe under the weight of the wall and thought that my my whole family was soon to be dead Bloody hell. Then the winds died down suddenly. It took a while before we all felt safe enough to crawl out of the remains of our home. We could not believe the devastation we saw around us, with the exception of the bathroom we were in and a few other tattered walls. The entire house had been levelled. We began to pick through the debris, trying to salvage whatever we could. When the winds picked up again, 
It made perfect sense now, but at the time I did not know about the eye of the hurricane and neither did I when I was caught. That's why we carried on. We should have just turned around and gone home. We were stuck. Well, I don't know. I don't know about it. Now you do. Yeah. There's an eye where it just it drops down. Yep. And it's silent and eerie and nothing happens for a little while. Or if it's daytime, the sun comes out and you just carry on. You think, oh, that was wild. Carry on your day. But it can turn again at any point because you're in it. You can't see. Because I just thought the eye of a storm was the climax of the storm, you know, or the eye of a... It's the gap if, if you think of the cyclone, you have to walk through these thick winds to get to the eye where it's still and quiet. Yeah. And then you have to walk through the other side because it's a circle. Yeah, hadn't thought of, about it like that. That's my scientific explanation. <laughs> I hope you, can all, hope you can all keep up with that. Neil, the scientist, if you have any information that contradicts that, please get in touch. Do write in, Neil, because I think you'll find, Neil, the scientist, that my explanation <laughs> of... A hurricane or a cyclone was very, very accurate. Neil the scientist. Neil. He's real. Neil the scientist. Neil. He's a scientist. Neil. Orange peel. He blinded us with science. Anyway, within minutes, the winds became nearly as ferocious as they had been before. Having nowhere to go now, we all crawled out of our house and got into my dad's truck. A piece hit me in the back before I was able to close the door. Oh, shit. Leaving a bloody gash on my back, which still exists in the form of a large scar, from my shoulder down to my back. Oh, Oh, what? Well, like down to the, down, right right down his back? A long scar. So a bit of metal hit him. Yep. In the car, we watched as the air filled with flying debris. The car rocked back and forth violently and shuddered every time a piece of debris stuck. Struck, sorry, struck. One of the back windows was broken, so we had to endure the wind and rain blowing in around and as it was all going around them. So Fuck. it was pretty fucking miserable. I've heard other stories of women saying freezing rain you know all of this what you've just heard plus freezing rain and i was just in monotony <laughs> that's when you need to pick up your panties and go Jen. that is exactly when you need to go but a nighty oh i haven't i haven't worn a nighty in years well a christmas nighty was what you'd always get for christmas isn't it a nice new nighty yes with like lovely sheer well not sheer but very thin cotton nighty with floral pattern or holly hobby mm. as we got from jen holly hobby Anyway, I'm going to carry on with Martin's story. Sorry, Holly Hobby. I don't want to gloss over you because you were very important to me once. But here we go. The wind slowly began to die down after what seemed like a lifetime. And by sunrise, so this is from 3.30 a.m., which was the peak, right? Three, that's like five hours later. By sunrise, the wind and rain had diminished enough so that we were able to leave the car. Thank God they had the car because... Probably about three hours later because... In Australia, I don't know what time sunsets and sunrises in the far north of Australia because I've never been there. It's probably different. It is different, but yeah. But don't ask me. I don't remember. Sorry. You don't know. All in all, every single house on our block was leveled. I found the body of one of our neighbours oh. among the wreckage of his former two-story home that had been flattened. The aftermath was terrifying with no food or water. So we took the first bus we could and went down to Perth where I have an uncle. We never did return to Darwin. But my body still bears the scars of that terrible night. I have moved on and moved from Australia to the United States, but I still have nightmares every month or so when I'm back in that bathroom with my parents, wondering whether I'm going to live or die. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. From enjoydarwin.com. Do you know what? I don't know why anyone would say that that's not genuine because Mm. the the level of detail and also... When you were speaking, things that Nicola had told me were resonating with that story. So, yeah, she remembers that as a five year old or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just terrifying. Well, listen, 71 lives, like I said, were lost, hundreds more were injured, 70% Michelle of Darwin's homes were wiped out, only 500 homes were left habitable out of 12,000. Jesus, and the winds. Not they weren't one fifty, they weren't one forty. They were three hundred kilometers Fuck. an hour. Fuck. You can't you can't survive that. All public buildings were wiped out or badly damaged, 
And in the week after Cyclone Tracy, close to 30,000 people were airlifted out in what remains Australia's largest ever evacuation effort to date. Wow. Wow. Many of the residents never returned. And the bill for the damage came in at around today's money, $6.1 billion Australian dollars. You know, I'm actually wondering whether Nicola went back because I think her family were there as part of the Air Force base. And apologies if I got that wrong, but I don't, I'm not sure they ever went back. They ended up in Canberra. Is Nicola an eavesdropper? She is. She is on occasion. Oh, hi, Nicola. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not today. Right, well, I'll, I'll drop her a text, but yeah, I, I yeah. have to get the story. Maybe she can write in and give us the real story from her memory. Do write in, Nicola. We want to hear your stories. But anyway, the city was wiped out. But on the 28th of February, 1975, our hero, Gough Whitlam, and his government established the Darwin Reconstruction Commission, which rebuilt the city within three years. And the one good thing to come out of it, Michelle, was that the near destruction of Darwin City led to the introduction of improved building codes all across Australia. So thank you to Darwin for having to endure that and I feel for everybody who was involved in that because it was a very very traumatic experience for many and there are documentaries on it I don't know I haven't got into hand but Michelle will put some in the notes won't you Michelle I will indeed and you know what thanks to Goff because you could have just glossed over that tragedy but he then obviously implemented these new building codes which yeah it's great because you look at things like the tragedy with the Grenfell Tower. Grenfell Tower. Yes. I don't know if that actually nothing's what, been done. Exactly. There you go. So you know, fantastic. Good on you, Goff. Another reason I love him. Yes. So that's our very merry Christmas episode once again, people. We've got murder. We've got death. We've got destruction. It's all there. It's all there for we've you. We've got fire. Oh, we got fire and we got rain. (laughs) We've got the end of the world as we know it. But no, brilliant. Thank you so much. And I wonder if people, our eavesdroppers around the world, were aware of that story or if it's just so ingrained in, you know, Australian culture. So, yeah, write in and tell us if you've never heard about Cyclone Tracy before. You know, I'd love to know. We would love to know. So that just leaves us, Michelle, to say farewell for another episode. But guys, don't worry. There's more. There's more Christmas time every Wednesday in December. (laughs) So I wonder what we'll come up with next week. I mean, we know, but you don't. So you'll just have to tune in everywhere you get a podcast, blah, blah, blah. For some Christmas goodies. Yeah, some mince pies, I think, coming up next time. What do you think? A bit of mincing? A bit of mincing. Well, I love a bit of mincing. Well, Geordie, thanks again. And to all our eavesdroppers, wherever you are. Whatever you do, just, just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.